Hi, everyone. Welcome back and welcome to episode 18. Today, I am joined by the host of a podcast that I enjoy listening to very much called Transfer Tea. We're here with Ariana, a Stanford transfer who's going to share a little bit about her experiences building a podcast and her experiences transferring to Stanford. And so with that, Ariana, why don't you introduce yourself a little? Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Ariana and thank you for having me. Um, Basically, like you said, uh, I am a transfer student at Stanford, and on the side, I have my own little podcast, um, and right now, uh, I'm technically a third-year student, but at Stanford, I'm a sophomore, and I'm majoring in poli-sci. Awesome. So before we jump into your transfer story and whatnot, why don't you talk a little bit about your podcast and kind of... Uh, the goal of your podcast and what, you know, um, a listener can, can get from uh, clicking on one of your episodes. Sure. So transfer tea is something of like a, an answer to many questions I've gotten. So since I did transfer to Stanford, um, many students have asked me all sorts of questions about either transferring to private schools or just transferring in general. Um, so Basically, this podcast emerged as a way to answer those questions, and there are some sort of um, shorter podcast episodes where we do address specific questions, or I'll take snippets of personal question and answer sessions I do with students, Um, but the bulk of our episodes at the moment are interviews with people who have transferred, um, basically sharing their journeys and also hearing their advice. So we span like CSUs, UCs, private schools all over the United States. Um, And every episode includes people's socials. So you can always interact with them afterwards if you want to. And transfers are really cool that they're all super open to helping um, other transfers. So the goal of it was just to kind of create a place where students could get answers beyond just their counselors. Um, and the random videos you find on YouTube and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, um, you know, especially with these this transfer series that I put out not too long ago, I think it became very evident that there is not a lot of information out there on the transfer process because, you know, these uh, episodes have been the ones that have gotten the most traction and the, you know, the DMs and the emails that I get the most of um, in terms of like the topic. I get and it's definitely all about you know transferring what requirements do I need how do I apply is it the same as you know a a regular freshman to you know incoming uh to college application so it's really great that you know there's another resource like yourself you have a very you know robust um podcast with a ton of different um students so I think that that's really great I'll definitely leave uh transfer tees info linkedin instagram all that stuff um so you guys can use that you know as an additional resource to to check out if you need so yeah that's awesome um and now a little bit about i guess now we can move on from from the podcast and a little bit about your transfer experience so why don't you talk about why so ariana went to a community college uh so why don't you talk about why you made that decision to go to community college was it kind of I have no other choice. Was that your plan from the get-go and and all of that? Yeah, so I um, haven't really met people with this story, but I hope that that will change in the future. Um, I basically, I guess, around junior, the very beginning of junior year, um, made the decision that I didn't want to 
apply to colleges straight out of high school and that I wanted to uh, start at community college and then transfer. Um, And it came from a lot of different things. So my parents did go to university, but they went to school in a different country. So I never really experienced or heard stories of what it was like to go to school here. And it's definitely different than it is in other countries. Um, And so I didn't know why I should join clubs or why I needed an internship or what volunteering was for. Um, And it wasn't until my junior year that I kind of realized I didn't really like that all of these things existed for the purpose of kind of getting into a school. And I didn't even know what I wanted to do. And uh, it was just so many things where I was like, this doesn't feel right for me. And our community colleges in my area are amazing. And I remember going with my mom when uh, I was really young. So I had a good image of them in my head. And I was like, you know, we're just going to pick one. I picked the one closest to me and I started concurrent enrollment classes. So I would take one class at the community college um, while taking full high school classes. And then I graduated high school and I just started at community college the next month. Um, It was like a very randomly mature thing for me to do, Um, but it's not telling of who I was in high school. It was the one decision I am proud of. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I think like you alluded to um, earlier that that isn't very common. I think a lot of people kind of try to avoid the community college route for, you know, a variety of reasons. But I think um, the more that I chat with people, I'm at a four year, so I don't have the community college experience, but you know, the more that I talk to individuals that transferred from community colleges or are currently at community colleges, it's it's really a great experience because as I was talking to someone from an episode that I recorded a few days ago, it's a little bit more personal, whereas, you know, being in a big state school or maybe even a private school that is still, um, you know, quite big, you don't have a student to faculty ratio that's, you know, as personal or as, you know, small as in maybe a community college, especially if you're mm-hmm. like in a special honors program or something like that. And and a lot of people I think are scared of community college because there's quote unquote not enough opportunities and and you know it looks bad. But I think, you know, from everyone that I've talked to and Ariana you can speak on this um and then little now, but there's so many opportunities at community college as there is in, you know, at an Ivy or at a top twenty. And I think it just comes down to I think I say this, I sound like a broken record at this point, but it comes down to you you know, finding those opportunities and, and you being the one that kind of drives, okay, what do I want to do? Who do I want to, you know, surround myself with? And what do I want to explore? Do I want to, you know, have a leadership position or do I want to create a club? And so I think that you can do that anywhere. The resources are there. Sure. You know, maybe in some schools, it may be a little uh, harder to come by than others, but I think the overall community college experience that I have heard of, um, so I guess a maybe a little biased, but it is, it feels, you know, really great. And I think that it's important to bring awareness to that because there's so many, you know, aside from the academics, it's way cheaper to go to a community college and maybe, you know, you're not ready to go off into school um, and live on your own and stuff. And you want to be a little closer to family for a while longer. So why don't you, you know, with all of that, talk about what your experiences were in community college, what opportunities, what clubs were you a part of and how did that shape you to then apply to transfer schools and how did that make you a stronger applicant or person to beyond you know applications yeah so um i think there definitely agree with you that there are opportunities um 
like you said, you will need to pursue those opportunities on your own. I think that is a difference. Um, having transferred, I see that we just are bombarded with emails of internships and jobs and clubs and groups. Um, and that's not the case in community college just because the nature of it is different. And, and that wouldn't really, I don't think, meet the needs of all of the students there. Not everyone is going to transfer. Um, but the opportunities are there. You just kind of have to look for them. And I think that makes it almost more exciting. Like you kind of get to put yourself in situations um, that maybe make you a little uncomfortable, but they really help you grow. Uh, so I started um, in my honors project at my school and not every CC has an honors project or program, but uh, mine did. And I really would advise anyone at a CC to look into that and see if you got that because it gives you kind of a community of students who are really driven, um, driven to transfer and driven to kind of get an education and like people who enjoy research. And that is really helpful. I feel like finding little communities within CC makes all the difference. Um, so I did honors and I completed honors. So I'm like an honors scholar um, from my community college. I think that definitely added to my application, um, but it also was a great way to sort of learn how to write research papers and learn how to work with faculty. Um, and yeah, so that, that was my first semester. And because of honors, I met people who were in groups like Phi Theta Kappa, um, which is an international honor society. Pretty, it's all over the nation. It's not just in California. Um, and so I joined Phi Theta Kappa. I ran to be a VP and I ended up taking over as president because I someone else couldn't do it. So it was very much like a random thing that happened. Um, but being in PTK for over a year, um, like guiding the next group as well, also was really helpful in terms of growth. I got to meet really interesting people. Um, and of course, the honor societies add to the strength of the application. I think ultimately, like everything that you do um, will help and add. But at the time that I was doing these things, that wasn't really my goal. It was just to meet people and try to not be all alone at CC. Um, and yeah, so I did that. And then that spring I started, I ran for student senator. And from that, I was also our advocacy board chair. Um, and yeah, student senate was a really cool experience, something I never thought I could do or would do, but I really loved it. Uh, and those were, well, the whole time I also did Labyrinth, which is a literary magazine and I kind of um, started as a graphic designer and then an editor and then um, editor, co-editor in chief of that. Uh, so that was also like a thing I did in the background just for fun. Um, but all of those opportunities um, I kind of had to find for myself, um, but they were all there. Like you just had, I just had to ask people like, Oh, what are you doing right now? And they're like, I'm going to fight that cap. And I was like, what is that? Can I come with you? Um, but they were all at school. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can speak to outside extracurriculars as well, but the bulk of what I did do, um, the committees I joined as a result of student Senate, all those things, those were all within my community college. Um, but I did do external internships as well. Yeah, and I think something that you talk about a lot and emphasize on your podcast is not doing something for the sake of, you know, slapping it on a resume. And I think that, you know, these 
admission officers and, and adcoms are very, you know, skilled and they know when kind of something is being maybe a little bit more forced where you're doing something to, you know, look good or stand out. And I think that, like you said, there's so many great things that you can be a part of that sure will elevate your application, but at the same time will just bring you so much, um, you know, whether it's personal growth or academic growth, um, or career growth, really, whatever it is, there, there's so many things that sure can elevate your your resume and your application, but can also provide so much more. And I think that, you know, that's really important. And again, what you mentioned earlier, what happens in high school, where you're kind of just doing things to do them, and you're not really placing too much, you know, care on anything, you're just okay, like, let me run for this, or let me do this, so I can, you know, have a really good, elaborate resume. And then, you know, once I get my, my decisions, just quit and call a day and never pay attention to it anymore. And I think that, you know, I guess for some people it works, but I feel like for the most part, um, it doesn't. And beyond it working or not, I think it's just important to take advantage of those opportunities that can offer more than just, you know, a resume boost. Um, and you also, you know, in your episodes mention how, well, you never mention your your stats, which I think is, is really great. And you mentioned that because, you know, the application is so much more than what you put on your resume or, or the numbers um, that you kind of have. So why don't you also talk about that and talk about how a student can, you know, really craft the best application and not have to worry on, you know, their GPA or their test score. Well, I guess not test score now because everything's test optional because of COVID. But how do you, what do you recommend for students um, to not focus on that one thing, to not hone in on a test score or a GPA or an curricular or, you know, a position and really just create the best well-rounded application? Because, you know, I think in my opinion and from my, you know, limited knowledge, one, you know, there's not one deciding factor. It's not if you have an X GPA, you're going to get in. If you have, you know, the rec letter from X professor or X whatever, you're going to get in. So what are your recommendations for crafting pretty much the, the best application um, all around that you can? Yeah, so I think to start off stats wise, there's probably, I think there's like one panel I did where they asked us our stats. So if you are insanely curious, they're out there, but um, it, it ultimately doesn't matter because like your stats are weighed in regards to everything else that you've done. But I will say like, as a, I, I don't know, a little bit of a disclaimer, like, yes, these kind of Ivy league schools or schools that are in like T10 you do need to have your numbers at a certain point in order to be considered. And a lot of, you can find that information on the internet from the schools themselves. Like Stanford has their stats up on their website. Like you can literally find that for transfer students. Um, And as long as you meet the baseline, I think at that point, just forget about it because the more you think about the GPA or the acceptance rate, the more you're going to just make yourself nervous um, because you really could be a 4.0, a really high ACT, SAT score and still not get in. Um, I think that the best thing you can do is spend like whatever time prior to transferring, really doing things that you want to do and things that like Maybe you don't know what career thing you want to do, but you should know what drives you to wake up in the morning every day. And if you don't know that, then that should be the first thing you do is figure out like, what am I kind of, what do I really believe in and what are my values? And then start to do things that kind of follow those values. That way, once you get to your application, you basically like 
create your application based on those values. Like you think about what you do want to present and then you present that you and it should be the most honest, authentic, kind of vulnerable version of you that exists. Granted, that's not the same if you're applying to a state school that's not asking you for anything beyond like the classes you took and your extracurriculars. Um, But if you are applying to a private school, uh, you're applying maybe to a UC that does give you the opportunity to like write a little bit. Um, Thinking about the things you did that really mattered to you is important. I see a lot of students mess up um, and the fact that they forget that, like, I guess this is like normal for the common app because you put your extracurriculars in first and your classes in first, and then you go to like write your essays for each school, but don't forget that you've already told them every extracurricular you've done. So your essays don't need to be, Hey, look at all the things I've done. They can see those things. Your essays are a place for you to be like, yeah, I did these things, but like this and this were super important to me. And then also going into detail about why you want to go to that school and maybe why the things you've done are proof that you'll do similar and greater things at that school. Um, I think also another tip would be like for rec letters that you briefly mentioned, rec letters really should be from people who can really write about you. Um, The title of the person is not as important as like how well they know you. Um, I think if you can get someone with a really cool title who also knows you really well, that's awesome. But if you have to pick between like a professor who has a doctorate and a professor who doesn't, but the second one knows you so much better because you did a research project with them, like obviously the latter doesn't, like the recommendation letters are supporting what's in your application. They're supporting like what you've written in your personal essays. So I think, I think just not forgetting each kind of component of your application and understanding that it really is kind of a cumulative thing um, is, is kind of something students tend to forget. And the other thing is that some students will try to like turn their essays into stories and um, write about like their entire life, which I guess if you really wanted to, you could, but I, um, from my experience, that also isn't necessarily like the most strategic way to go about things. Um, Maybe if it's like a tiny little liberal arts school that like is asking for that creativity, but if it's a UC or it's a school that clearly is asking for structured answers, um, maybe like be be strategic about when you want to try and throw that creativity in there versus like probably like wow that English just lost me but basically like try to stick I think with really telling your your story through what you've done um during your time at your current institution and what you're going to do at your next institution or what you want to do um yeah so those would be my main tips but the, the biggest thing is just don't forget that like each thing is basically painting a picture of who you are. Um, and it's being read by admissions counselors who are people who are only going to know who you are through what they're seeing like submitted to them. So really try to create the like most honest and best image of yourself that you can. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, the essay really is the only component, I believe, in the entire application that allows you to really connect with the you know, with the ad comms, because, you know, sure, your stats 
are just numbers. Like, you know, I can't, if you tell me your numbers, that really just tells me a very small portion of you. I don't know what you like, what your interests are, you know, your hobbies, where you come from. Do you have, you know, traditions or a very, you know, untraditional story? So I think focusing your essays and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the essays are pretty much one of the, the founding, you know, um, supplements in, in these um, applications because they just really speak so much more than, you know, all these numbers and things like that. But I feel like just, you know, focusing your essay on yourself and what you, you know, can bring to the school. And I think that, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm working on my um, applications now and almost every essay is what can you contribute to X school? So they're like asking you straight up, what can you contribute? It's not like, you know, a a hidden question or whatever. Um, They're just straight up telling you what can you contribute to our school and and what's compelling you to leave. If you're at community college, I guess that factor is a little bit easier um, to answer why it is that you're leaving. But if you're at a four year like myself, you know, I think that that's even more important to why are you leaving and maybe what did your previous institution not give you that your new institution could. So really using your you know, all those characters um, and all that word limit to, to really talk about yourself and highlight, you know, your story and, and your likes and your desires and whatnot is, is super important. And I think, like you said, more important than rewriting your extracurriculars and kind of adding more to that, because like you said, they're already there. So, and other, did, you, did you want to say something? Um, no, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah. Um, one thing that you mentioned was not worrying about stats and stuff. And from an episode that I listened, you had gotten rejected from Georgetown and got accepted into Stanford. And I remember you were speaking to, I think it was a friend or a cousin, I forgot who, um, that you were like, oh, I'm not going to get into Stanford because the acceptance rate is like, you know, 1% or less than 1% or whatever. Like, And well, here you are, you know, you're a Stanford uh, transfer admit. So why don't you talk about the importance of maybe not limiting yourself to applying to schools because of the acceptance rate or because you're just like a little bit below the GPA average or all of that because you know your your story is very speaks to that of where you know maybe you are a little bit below the average not saying that you were but or maybe in your case you were you know scared that you weren't going to get in because the acceptance rate is so low you're like well one in a hundred like you know it's very unlikely that I'm going to be that one so why don't you talk about focusing on just applying to schools or what are your tips to to students that want to just apply to schools because they're very interested in the program or very interested in the atmosphere or, you know, it just checks off a lot of things on their on their list of, you know, a great school and not so much tie that and think about, oh my God, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. Yeah, so uh, I think that the biggest thing is like stats wise, I fit for a lot of these schools that I had kind of written down and it wasn't a thing I really thought about, but for some reason I really like thought about the acceptance rates when I was going through and I was like, well, NYU has such a high acceptance rate for private compared to like the other schools I'm looking at. Maybe I should apply there. Um, but it, I think ultimately finally hit me that there's not really a point in applying to a school you don't really want to go to. And um, I will say that for Georgetown, I most likely would not have, I, after I applied to Stanford I didn't want to apply to Georgetown anymore um but they they have you pay up front to access the application so I was like you know I've already paid $75 I might as well write an essay and submit it and just see what happens um but 
I think the main thing I learned from that entire experience and like ultimately applying to a school I didn't really want to go to was just that like you need to be applying to schools because of that drive, because of the drive of like, I really want to go here. The uh, program for the major I want is really amazing or the research college is so exciting to me. Like you need to have those things that really drive you to want to go to that school. Um, Otherwise, A, your application is going to be really hard to write. Hence my Georgetown application was very bad (laughs) just because like stats wise it was good but what I was writing was not true like I didn't I really didn't I was like I don't want to go to DC at this point I want to stay local and at that point I was pretty much like it's probably Berkeley for me and I kind of used that I was like I like the stuff that Berkeley has to offer for poli sci do I like what NYU has more do I like what George Washington has more um and it kept being like, no, I don't, no, I don't. So then I just didn't apply to those schools. Like I filled out my U Chicago app. I think I filled out, um, I did part of Columbia. I did Northwestern. And then the more I was going into writing these essays by like looking through the schools and researching what they had to offer, the more I kind of realized that like, yeah, I think that's cool, but I don't see myself there. I don't really want to go there. So I think if you like make your list of top 10, top 15, and then you start to go through each school to see like why like you should go there and what they have to offer to you, uh, you'll, you'll organically kind of realize like, yeah, I don't want to go to these schools. Like I know students who like people in my transfer cohort who applied to 10 schools, 12, 20 schools, and they only got into like two or three Um, and one of those was Stanford, but it ultimately becomes like, well, what was the difference between your Stanford app and like these other schools? And it's most likely just that they were more driven towards wanting to go to Stanford and they really had reasons for wanting to go there beyond just the name of the school. Um, so I think, I think that letting that drive you, letting don't, don't really just don't apply to the school for the name because you're not going to be able to write like your best essay your time is so much better spent applying to school as you actually want to go to um and I think oh there's one more thing I was gonna say shoot what was it ah (laughs) um oh my god I lost it but basically yeah just just like if maybe you're at a 3.8 and the average is 3.85 like if you really want to go to the school, your essays will probably supplement. Um, and at the end of the day, like you might not get in just because you didn't get in. Like there's no rhyme or reason to these things. Um, but you'll feel a lot better if you applied, if you really do want to go there. Oh, uh, I remember. So the other thing is that, um, the, one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten is to not treat that school like a stepping stone. And I think that immediately kind of wipes out, like I had Cornell on my list because it was an Ivy and I thought maybe I'd want to go there. But then I realized like the only reason I'd want to go there is because it's Cornell and it's an Ivy and it'll help me with opportunities in the future. Um, And that's using the school as a stepping stone. So doing that is not going to help you when you get to the school. It's also not going to help you in the process of applying. Um, So just really focusing on like, what school do I want to go to to 
have a good time. I like to spend my time there and really enjoy. Um, and I think if you're already at a four year and you're looking to transfer, that's probably easier for you in the first place because you're already somewhere where that you don't want to be at. So you know that like the next place really has to be the real thing. Um, but as for CCs, I think when you have the opportunity to apply like anywhere because you have to transfer, um, it can get complicated in terms of like, should I apply here? Should I not? So I think really, really being confident in where you're applying and you don't need to apply to a ton of places, um, have a safety, have some reach schools and just apply to places you'd actually see yourself um, and try not to think about the acceptance rate. Don't go on those websites that let you put in your GPA and see how likely you are to get in. Just apply and close your computer and go do your other things. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, your, your story and what you talk about really emphasizes how important a research, like researching schools and creating a really well thought out college list is because, you know, I think like you mentioned, schools will know, maybe that was the case with Georgetown, you know, they knew that sure, you know, you exceeded or you were at their, their GPA or their, you know, their stats, but they just didn't see that, you know, compelling factor of, oh, this student really wants to go um, to Georgetown. And I think, you know, another student will probably, you know, beat you or any other applicant that really has an essay that that speaks on how they can integrate themselves into the community and, and how they truly, you know, will take advantage and give back to to their new institution. And so that's why researching is really important. And, you know, it's that's a whole task on its own. It's, it's very tedious going through every single website and looking through all the resources, but it's so needed because you just scratch out a ton of schools. I mean, I just went through that phase and I'm sure I'm going to go through it for a second time where I was like, I don't even want to go here. Why am I, you know, why am I going to apply? Um, because yeah, I mean, it gets expensive to apply. A lot of time too, you know, the essays are, they're, they're long essays. You have to devote a lot of time to them, get rec letters, get your transcripts from your high school, from all your colleges. So if, you know, I, I don't personally, I don't see myself doing that if it's not for school that I would 1000% go to. So definitely important to, you know, I think create a really robust uh, college list that that really ticks off every single thing that you would want in a school. And, you know, I'm sure if you don't like, you know, a school, then there's going to be another one that you like. So there's never, you know, there's like 3000 colleges or something I read. So there's definitely going to be a fit for you. Um so not to worry about that. But on the topic of applications and stuff, why don't you talk about your process, how it was for you to get rec letters and all your transcripts? How long did that take? How much time did you devote to your applications? Did you have like an Excel sheet? I know people have like this crazy Excel sheet with like, you know, the deadline and what I have to submit and stuff. So what was your game plan going into transfer applications? Yeah, so um, I went to the California Community College and they really push applying to our state schools, so our UCs and our CSUs. So that was the plan from the beginning. Um, there's not a lot of knowledge or support about private schools just because the like UCs are so amazing and like, um, I'm just pausing because, oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, but just because the schools are great and there doesn't really like, there isn't a need for that. So um, basically in the beginning, I started in August and I just, I knew I was going to apply to UCLA and UC Berkeley and I picked a safety school as a CSU. So I applied to Cal Poly um, the Cal Poly app took like an hour. Um, and then the UCs, I basically filled out all the stuff as soon as it opened. And I, what I've done with all the schools, like I took 
the essay questions and I put them in a Google doc and I just worked on them uh, every few days. And I actually submitted, I think like November 1st or whenever it opened. Cause I just, I really, I was doing an internship at the time. So I really wanted to get my applications out of the way. Um, and then after I submitted in November, I started thinking about how I had all this time until March and I could apply to private schools. Uh, and so I, I literally searched like this. I, cause I don't, I didn't know a lot of these schools, to be honest. Like I was still a kid whose parents went to school in Germany and I had like no knowledge of schools besides what was in California. Um, so I looked up like top schools for political science in the United States, like top schools for, you know, and I just started writing them down, putting them in a Google doc and, um, the first thing I did with those was like, look at their transfer agreements. So they, every school has different rules. Like Yale wouldn't take concurrent enrollment classes. And that was a big bulk of my <laughs> credits. So I was like, well, that one's off the table because I would have been freshman status at Yale basically. Um, same, I think, with Harvard. Uh, a lot of the, the schools wouldn't take concurrent enrollment or they wouldn't take APs. Ultimately, Stanford didn't take my APs, but they did like say that they do take some APs. Um, and that was the first thing, like just checking logistics. And then after that, it was like, okay, what schools sound like of what's left do I like? Um, the list was literally on a Google Doc. I put the due dates, put them in order of due dates. Um, and then I just started, I tried both college app um, and, or common app, sorry. And I think it's called collegiate or something like that. The other one. Um, and I didn't like the other one. So I stuck to, uh, can you hear that? Sorry. No worries. No worries. Um, yeah. So I just stuck to common app and I just put in the schools, um, and started looking at what they needed. Uh, it ultimately just became like a checklist type of thing. So I take all the questions, put them all on Google Docs. I had a whole folder on Google Docs. Um, but yeah, I'm not a huge Excel user. So it was all in Google Docs. And it was just going through, um, reading like even some of the schools just by looking at the questions that they asked me, I realized I didn't want to go there. Um, but it basically became process of elimination. I think I was left with like five schools. So then I started doing like the other things. I needed to do for them. I guess like December was the time I basically went through schools, um, brainstorming answers to stuff early January. Uh, and then I spent early February. So then I started studying for the ACT. I think that I should add that. Um, I had an SAT score because I just took it randomly because everyone else was taking the SAT. I didn't know why I was taking it, to be honest. Um, and I did okay. I actually submitted that score as well. But I studied for the ACT for a month. I took it in February, um, and that's the score I also sent to schools. Um, we had to send scores. I don't think you have to anymore. Um, but, yeah, basically February was the time I did everything. So I asked for rec letters in February, basically gave every professor person a month um, to write my rec letters Uh got a few rec letters for schools I didn't apply to in the end. So there's that. I felt bad about that, but it's okay. Um, I asked, I think, three professors and uh, two other 
three other people. Um, and yeah, so you basically did most of my stuff in February, wrote the answers to my essays in late February. Um, I had one person edit my Stanford essays for grammar. I think mentioned that before. Um, but ultimately ended up only submitting two and didn't have anyone edit my Georgetown ones because that was really like a free for all. Um, but yeah, it was like this weird process of starting with like 15 schools and only applying to two in the end. Um, and only really applying to one in the end. So, but like, I think starting in December and like slowly making my way to submitting in March was the best thing to do. Um, I've also met people who have like started writing their essays in like May. (laughs) And I just, I don't know. I did so much between May and March that like, I don't know. I even talked about an internship that I did from January to March in my um, Stanford essays. So I think, leaving my essays um, or like my letter of intent aspect of my essays um, because Stanford has like 11 questions, but leaving that one to the very end was actually a good move. Um, And yeah, that was what my process looked like. And I, I think it was good. I just wish I had done more research before I asked people to write me rec letters that I didn't submit because that is the only thing I felt kind of guilty about. Um, But yeah. Yeah, definitely good to get started early, but not too early and, you know, not too late. I think, like you said, December, that's kind of where I'm at right now, brainstorming. I think that gives you, you know, enough time to really research. Like, you know, we talked about the process is very, you know, intense and and requires a lot of, you know, researching, being on your computer, kind of comparing schools and then really looking into that. So giving yourself enough time to do all of that is, is the best. But again, maybe starting in like May maybe you'll, you'll do some really great things before then. So you won't have time to kind of uh, integrate that into your application. So definitely, I think, you know, maybe November, December is a good sweet spot to, to get started um, with all your, your essays and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, I think we talked about a little bit of everything. Um, I don't know if you have any tips or anything else you'd like to say to anyone who's listening before we end the episode. Um, I think just that first, just, really try and do things that you truly want to do um, and do things you're passionate about. Don't get caught up in all of these schools and their names and their titles. Like I go to Stanford now, but it doesn't feel like I do. I just feel the same as I felt before. Like it's, it is just what it is. Um, And also that I'm here if you have any questions. Um, And if honestly, I think the coolest thing I've learned is that like any transfer is open to speaking with you. Um, so just feel free to reach out. Um, and yeah, good luck, I guess. (laughs) It's the last thing. Yeah. Thanks, Rihanna. Again, I'll definitely have her LinkedIn, her Instagram, um, all of her socials so that you guys can reach out and again, use her, her podcast transfer to as an additional resource, especially if you're um, in, you know, planning to transfer or want to transfer in the future or whatever. So definitely good to to be knowledge on all of that early on. So yeah, thank you so much, Ariana, for coming on. And I will catch everyone in the next episode. Bye.